Tell you what, I lied to you. Find John 14. I will get there in a minute. But I want to go back and read where Robbie was. I told him I was going to do this. Matthew chapter 7. I want you to see something here that's just so interesting. I was telling Robbie, because I usually send Robbie the passage that I want to read. Sometimes I want him to read on Sunday mornings. And, and uh, Matthew 7 was, was that this morning. These are very hard sayings of Jesus. And this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and um, of course, I love it. it. It is, you know, if you're righteous, he says things like, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And our righteousness will never exceed that of the Pharisees. That's why you have to have the imputed righteousness of Christ. Amen? That's why we call Him the Savior. And at the end of Matthew 7, I think Robbie preached on some of the as a cross-reference last week, but when you get to, to uh, chapter 8, Jesus symbolically he comes down off the mountain and he touches a leper. A leper says, if you're willing, you can make me whole. A leper sees a picture of sin, but he's a leper and unclean, untouchable. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And Jesus says, I'm willing. And it says Jesus reached out and touched him and made him clean. And that's what we're in our sins. Amen? And Christ has come to us. We didn't come to Him. He came to us and in, in salvation, he, he met us and saved us from our sins. Amen? But I want you to see the end of Matthew chapter 7, part of what Robbie read. I'm picking up at verse... Uh, uh, let's just pick up at verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord... It's very important because even in a crowd this size, there's somebody here that's trusting in their good works or they're trusting in being a Baptist, or they're trusting in having done the Lord's Supper 30 or 40 times, or they're even trusting in being baptized. None of those things save. Amen? Who died for your sins? Christ. Now I want you to notice what, what Jesus is saying here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, we, we never can escape the truth that there is regeneration when somebody comes to know the Lord. What I mean by that is the heart is changed okay, to where we want to love and serve Him. But let's keep reading. On that day, folks, it's appointed a man wants to die, then after that, the judgment. Okay? We're talking about lost people now. On that day. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? In your name do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Folks, if, if somebody approached me, and as a matter of fact, I had somebody witness to me. And it's pretty interesting. Um, I wasn't acting bad, okay? I wasn't being a heathen. I, but, but I was... Uh, and when I say this, you're going to think this is not true, but I was working out, okay, uh, at Express Fitness. And this is a couple of months ago, and a young man came and started witnessing to me. And he approached me just like you need to approach somebody. And he said, can I ask you a question? And he said, if you were to die today, what would be the right, what right do you have to enter the presence of God? And I said, well, I've been born again by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I said, plus... I said, I'm a preacher. He didn't care that I was a preacher. He kept on witnessing to me. 
And I said, yeah, I know for sure that I'm saved. Folks, if somebody were to ask me why, or if Christ asked me, why should I let you in my heaven? If you're lost, and some of you might do this, look what I've done. That's what they're saying. Look what it says. They will say, did we not do this? You're reading the text? Some will say, this is what they think saves them. Did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not mention your name? Did we not do certain works in your name? That's not the reason you go to heaven, is it? If somebody asks you, why are you going to heaven? What's going to be the answer? It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So this is what Jesus is teaching. It's so profound. We, we forget about, about the doctrine of regeneration. Some of the stuff I'm going to talk about this morning makes sense only if you've been regenerated. If you have a new heart, if Christ is in you, whether you want to say the, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit or Jesus is in your heart, however, whatever term you want to use, what I'm going to talk about this morning makes no sense if you're not regenerated. New life, born again, whatever term you might want to use. But we know from reading Matthew 7 that you're saved by God's unmerited favor. Um, you know, some of the early historical Protestant in the Reformation, one of the, one of the solas, one of the arguments that Protestants are protesting against Catholicism was sola, uh, uh, sola gratia. It stands for grace alone. That you and I, are saved, not through works, not through the church, not through the Pope, not through Mary, not through baptism, not through the Lord's Supper, not through church membership. We're saved by Christ alone. If you're here today and you've been saved by Christ alone and you've been born again, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about and some of the cross-references I'm going to read are going to make a lot of sense. Listen to Ephesians 2. Verse 8, by grace you have been saved. Now listen to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. The grammar here is very peculiar, very distinct. You have been saved, present tense, through faith. And this is not your own doing. That's why I love ESV. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. Amen? Now, let's go to John chapter, John chapter 14. In just a minute, I'm going to read some cross-references, but I want to, want to read some of these verses to you. Um, one of my favorite illustrations ever, and I don't know... I read this, and, and I've used it numerous times. I've been here 24 years. I'm sure I've used it a half a dozen times. But I was reading this article. I can't remember the situation, you know, where these people were and, and how, but it's true. You know, this pastor was saying they were witnessing and this has really happened. But a street evangelist, uh, one way that he would engage people is he would wear a placard over, you know, he'd put a sandwich board or placard. You know what I'm talking about. So, and he would, he would stand in, in an area where you could just see the one side of it. You couldn't see the back side of it. And on the front side, it said, I'm a fool for Jesus. I'm a fool for Jesus. By the way, the world thinks you are a fool, right? You know that. 
They can't stand you. They can't stand truth. They especially cannot stand the Lord Jesus that you serve. But the front side said, I'm a fool for Jesus. The back side, he had turned around and it said, Whose fool are you? Folks, that's true. Let me, let me tell you. If you're here today and you're saved and born again, here's the, here's the spiritual truth. You're a fool for Jesus. If you're not saved, you're still a fool. But you're the devil's fool. Whose fool are you? Well, I want you to know that for those of us that have been saved, I don't mind being a fool for Jesus. And I want you to be convinced that Jesus is Lord and being sold out to Him and being sold out to what it means to be a church member, not because church membership saves, but because Christ bought the church with His own blood. And your identity by the plan of God is connected to the work of the church. Listen to God's Word. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher. This is out of Luke 6. But everyone who is, who is fully trained... Now, everyone, not just those of us that follow Christ, but everybody who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, for us, if we're, if we're going to say we're a mature Christian, if we're, if we're a mature believer, then what are we indirectly telling people? I'm a mature believer. What are we indirectly saying to them? Who am, I, who am I saying I'm like? You can answer that like Jesus. For a disciple who is fully trained, they are going to be like their teacher. Well, of course, that's true in the liberal world too. That's true with infidels and agnostics and atheists and humanists and socialists. So the culture that we're bringing up, the goal of many pupils today, I'm not talking about biblical pupils, but of worldly pupils, their goal is to be like their teachers. But for us, to be fully trained. I love that word, fully trained. Uh, uh, it Really, the first time you find it in the Greek New Testament, it's when Jesus called the disciples. When He was first calling the disciples, Matthew 4, they were fishermen. And some of the guys, some of the fishermen were in their boat, not fishing, but they were mending their net. It's the same word translated mending. So fully trained means that God's Word and, and the work of the Holy Spirit forms us, heals us, shapes us, molds us, prepare, fit. Some other words would be equip, prepare, fit us. Uh, it's also used to restore joints. So that's what so we let Christ make of us what He wants. Now listen to what Jesus says. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Listen. If anyone, if anyone serves me, so if today you're telling me you're a you love Jesus and you follow Him. You love Him. You obey Him. Listen to what He says. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. And then He says, if anyone serves me, my Father will honor their service. So where is Christ? Where is Christ? Well, we, that's right, we find Christ through the work of the Spirit. He's here. We find Christ in the Scriptures. We find Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus said there's something else where He would be. He would be in the church, right? 
We're guaranteed that because any biblical church, listen to me, any biblical church, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night, some of you that were here, we had a little Bible study just for a few minutes. Any biblical church, the Scriptures say that Jesus is the what? The head. There's nothing else on planet earth that Jesus calls Himself the head. But He is head of... Do you, know, do you want to know where Jesus is? Jesus is in the work of the church. Now, as a follower of Jesus, do you really want to be where Jesus is? Because this is where He is. This is why we're called His body. For a true biblical church, this is where Jesus is. He says... For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them in the midst. Here's some other things Jesus said. And He told Peter, He says, uh, and He told Peter, on this rock, that's when Peter said, some of you know what I'm, Matthew 16, Peter made this great confession. And Jesus says, on this rock, this confession that Jesus is the Son of God, I will build my church. I will build my church. That's ownership. Where is Jesus? Here. Where are you? Or where should you be? Here. Jesus says, And I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he indicates not only does he own it, but this church that is his body is going to be in conflict with the flesh, with the devil, and with the world. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. So we know for sure that Christ owns the church. It's His church. He purchased it with His blood and He is the head of that church. Of every, not just of the church universal. We know that's true. We can go to the marriage supper. We know He's... He's the head of the universal church. But the Bible's claiming... By the way, every epistle that Paul wrote claimed the very same thing that I'm fixing to say. Jesus is head of every true local congregation. The word church is the word for called out a people or called out assembly or called out group. Uh, So you and I have been saved and called out by Christ to be in the body together. That's what He's done. And when, he, when we gather together, Christ is in our midst because He is head of the church. I love the little illustration in Acts where <clears throat> Paul's been persecuting, you know, he's on his way to Damascus to, to either kill or, or incarcerate other Christians. And uh, Jesus strikes him down. You, you, you know the story where Paul's converted. And... And Jesus strikes him down and, you know, Paul looks up and sees the light. You know what it says? Brighter. Remember? We talk about Christ being the light. Y'all remember this? I shared with Crossroads a few weeks ago. You know, because Christ is the light. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Our theme, light. So it says, there was a light brighter than the noonday sun. And, And Jesus says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says... Why are you persecuting? He didn't say church. Believers. The saints. Why are you persecuting me? 
Where's Jesus? I can tell you one place He is. He's in every true biblical church. Is it really true that you're following Him? Because He said, wherever I am, there where my servant wants to be. Is that really us? He says, for whoever would save his life, now I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to meddle into our lives now, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And that, what that means is, is that is your life about you, ultimately about you, or is it about Jesus? And, and I'm not, I'm not going to give illustrations, but if you check and discern your own heart and spirit of why in the world you've jettisoned church life. If you read the little article I sent out Friday or Saturday, whenever I sent out, a, how much time we waste in materialism and being connected, which are both prophetic texts, but whatever you jet, what, in, the culture has told you, if you need some extra time, what can you give up? Church. Jettison it. Sundays, you think, you think today's your day. Jettison it. I'll go to church when it's convenient. I, I'll live my life like I want to, and I'll fit Christ in in the peripheral. When the Bible says Christ is the head, He, he is Lord. And this is where I know you think this is self-serving, but the center of your life is Christ in the church. If, it's, if Jesus is Lord. So that means you and I are going to lose our own lives. Because our identity is not our us. It's about Christ in the church. So Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will really save it. If you want to know life, sell out to serving Jesus. That's what He's saying. If you want to really live, sell out to serving Christ in His church. That's what He's saying. Now, what's interesting is what the Lord Jesus has to say in in uh, John chapter 14, your, your, your Bible's open there. Uh, let me find it. This is where Jesus says some things about uh, the work of the Spirit. Okay? This is possible when I say Jesus is in the church. If physically He's not here. Spiritually He is. He, he is because He's in all of us that are saved as individuals. In a minute, we're going to read a passage that reminds us He's with us corporately. But He tells the disciples in John chapter 14 what the Holy Spirit was going to do. I'm in John chapter 14, and I'll try to be brief with this, but look at verse 12. John 14, 12. Now, by the way, Jesus is teaching on the Holy Spirit. This is, we're living in the age of grace, we're, and we're living in the age of the Spirit. Jesus physically is no longer walking on this earth. It's the Spirit in us that where the body of Christ exists through us as individual believers who get together and make up a whole body. But Christ is still here through the church, through individual believers and through the church. But He does that through the Spirit. And Jesus is telling us how this... So if you want to claim to be spiritual, 
If you're spiritual, do you know who you're going to be living for? You can answer that. Who are you going to be living for? Jesus. The church. That's if you're spiritual. Now folks, living, coming to church and doing church, churchy things, knowing some of the terminology we use, that has nothing to do with being That doesn't save you. But you learn those things because you are saved. This is the family that you want to be a part of. This is God's family. Say it to you. Think about it. This is God's family. And then you're going to tell me you'd rather flitter off and spend time with infidels and pagans half the, half the weekends of your life rather than be with God's family. Just think of that. That's ignorance. Besides being disobedient. Plus, it's not even logical if you're trying to grow. How can you grow if half your life is spent with infidels and not in discipleship? How, and you're not learning. How, how can that possibly grow? You just can't do it. We got, i got to quit preaching these cross-references. Let's move on. 12, 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Now we get that through the work of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, and the fruit of the Spirit. And greater works, now that's talking about in scope and in size, you know, I've never brought the dead back to life. That's not what he's talking about. Greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So it's because Jesus is with the Father we're able to do these things. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another. Those of you who've studied this passage with me, knows that literally that reads another of the same kind. There's three different Greek words that's translated another. This Greek word means an- excuse me, another of the same kind. So who is the Spirit like? If we want to know the Spirit, we already know Him. Because if we know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is, represents Jesus. Another of the same kind. He's a helper. To be with you forever. This is, he indwells us. He'll never leave us. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. world doesn't understand being spiritual. But then look what he says. You looking at your Bibles. You're going to learn something today. Look what he says. The world doesn't know Him nor sees Him because they don't know Him. Then he says, you know Him. You know the Spirit, Jesus says. For He dwells with you. But one day He will be in you. Well, how's the Spirit dwelling with them? He was talking about Himself. You see me now. One day you're going to have me in a spirit form and He'll be in you. And I'll be in you. That's how we can say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not Jesus physically manifesting Himself inside. No, it's the Holy Spirit being in me. So if I'm saved and the Spirit of God is in me, Who does the Spirit of God want me to be like? Jesus. How am I going to be like Jesus? Well, I'm going to do exactly what the Scriptures say do. Look, keep reading. He says, says, I'll not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. He says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. We'll stop here. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. We're talking about Pentecost. That's when the Spirit came. And the disciples knew beyond a shadow of a doubt the transition. 
Christ had ascended, they're freaking out. They're, they just go hide. When the Spirit comes, that's ten days later after the ascension, they go into the streets preaching the gospel because Christ is in them. They have, and if you study the life of Peter, when Peter was around Jesus, he did, he did miraculous things. He had great bravery. He said incredible things. But when he was away from Jesus, he, he you know, I don't know him. He cussed. All the, well, the Spirit is, and Peter, what does Peter do? He goes out there and he preaches to the very people that executed Jesus. So, so we have Christ in us. We have this power. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. Look what he says. Folks, you should circle out and I write all in my Bible, okay? That's not desecrating your Bible. You may tell what desecrating your Bible is when it sits on the shelf at the house for a month. That's desecrating your Bible. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, I didn't read it, but all through Matthew, I mean, John 14, 15, and 16, that's what Jesus talks about is how the disciples were going to be able to write the word. But anyway, and my Father will love him. And we, are you looking at your Bibles, verse 23, and we will come to him. And what does it say? And make our home with him. This is the same word John uses. Make our home is one word. It's the same word in John 14, 1, 2, 3, 4. I go to prepare an abiding place. John 15, abide in me, and I is the word abide. He says, me and the Father will make you our abiding place. Christ puts Himself in us, and the more we know His Word, the more Jesus works in us. And by the way, the more we know His Word, I'll tell you where we want to be. We want to be with His people, where Christ is the head. One last passage. I've got two minutes. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, again, those of you who are with me on Wednesday night, we looked at some of this, but go to Ephesians chapter 2. Because this talks a little bit about the church. It's, well, Ephesians talks about the church from beginning to end. He, he mentions the church nine times. Mentions saints, plural, by the way. I love that. I've always said that. You know the truth about that. Saints used dozens, uh, I think a hundred, uh, 99 times. Uh, by the way, a dozen times in, in Ephesians. Always plural. Always plural. Never singular. Why? Because we're meant to be together. You have all those words in your mind. Together with. Knit together. One another. All those terms that remind us we're to be together. Not separate. Together. Jesus says, where I am, there will my servant be. Well, I can tell you where Jesus is. Jesus is in His church. Let me tell you how I know that. Because I see a picture of him in Revelation 1, 2, and 3. You doubt me? Go find out where Jesus is in Revelation 1. 
John sees seven lampstands. And, and this, the angel tells him it's the churches, seven churches. Chapter 2 and 3 are messages from Jesus to the churches. But in Revelation 1, it's the seven churches. Go find out where Jesus is. You know where he is? Right, as we would say, right in the middle, dab, mid, right in the dab middle of them. He's right in the middle of the churches. Where's Jesus? Jesus is at church. Where are you? Where are you? I'm in Ephesians chapter 2. Now think about holy aspirations. I was reading an article on sanctification and, and the article was holy aspirations. I like that term. I'd never thought of it that way. But what are your holy aspirations? Do you want to be like Christ? Do you want to pursue Christ? Do you want to be... Uh, when I say a churchman, a churchwoman, churchman, I'm not saying that that church membership saves, but you want somebody that, that loves the church and you, if you, you identify with them being part of the church. Anyway, I'm in Ephesians chapter 2. And um, look at verse, uh, well, a great verse. Look at verse 10. I'll just read these and we'll close. Verse 10, for we are His workmanship. Who saved you, you or Him? Answer it. Who did it? We are His workmanship. Folks, if you're saved, you're saved because God's grace was poured out upon you. The Spirit of God, the Word of God called you. Jesus said that. You didn't come find me. I found you. We are His workmanship. That word workmanship, Moses, it's a Greek word for beautiful poem, beautiful song, a work of art. We are His work of art. He's still working on us. He wills and to do for His good pleasure. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys, why are there people? Ever think about why are there people that are? I can remember. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but I've had people join our church or come forward, you know, and they'll say, "Preacher, I want you to know that we're we're our family is say we are church going people." When the doors are open, we're going to be there. Now, they don't say that because they're trying to impress me, but their point to me, and this has happened, is they, because we're saved and we love the church. So why is it that some believers can show up once a month and other believers feel compelled to be here all the time? I can tell you what it is. It's a matter of lordship. It's a matter of biblical obedience. That's what it is. So where is work? He says, created in Christ Jesus beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, I'm, I lied to you. Let's finish by reading my focal passage, which we won't get to, but I do want to read it. Verse 19, Ephesians 2, 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Does that mean he's talking about being part of the family of God? There was a time, even though I got saved at 16, I still can remember being an alien to the things of God. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I love church membership. The Bible speaks about membership several times. 
especially in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but also here. We're members of the household of God. We're a family built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. So here's what I say. We belong, and then we're building. Built on what? This church is going to be built on the Word. What it says, built on the apostles' Word. And who else? Christ as the cornerstone. We might say, Jesus is Lord. We build our lives, we build our church on the Word and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In whom? Talking about in Christ. The whole structure being joined together grows. Now how does that structure grow? When it's what? Joined together. You know, maybe our church has not grown numerically like it should have because many of us are not with us as often as they should be. Spiritually, maybe we have not matured like we should because many of us have not come joined together like we ought. But he says when we're joined together, that's when it grows into a holy temple. That We, as a body, become more holy. One of the goals of the Christian life. But then he takes it a step further and he says in Him, in Christ, this same process works not only for the church, but it works for who? It works for you. He says, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. That word just to give is it's connected to the Old Testament idea. You had the temple or even the tabernacle, but all through the temple of the tabernacle, what mattered, where they really wanted to end up was all the way to the back in the tabernacle or the temple through all those stages. But only one person could go in there. I'm tabernacle and temple. Only one person could go in this little box back there, like a 20 by 20 square. It was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there. That's the word Paul uses to describe me and you. That we can become the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is where God dwells. Folks, isn't that what He promised? He dwells in us. Do you want to be with Jesus? There's a lot of things I know about the Lord. One thing I know for sure is that Jesus is at church. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open unto the Lord. And You know, the invitation is, is really twofold. It is when we give it. It's, first, it's for those of you who might be here without Christ. Um, if you're here today and you, you've never been saved, Jesus is the Savior. Uh, we, we, those of us that are saved, we, we're hoping you'll be saved today. The fact is, all of us that are saved, we are saved sinners. And what separates me as a preacher from you that are not saved is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life where I understood the gospel, repented and believed in what Jesus claimed, and He saved me. You can do the very same thing. So if you're here today and you've never been saved, I'm, I'm pleading with you, begging with you to consider the claims of Christ. All this is foreign to you until you're born by the Spirit. Maybe today you're going to come down front and tell me you need to be saved. Maybe you're going to come find me after church. Maybe you're going to find Brother Robbie. But I pray to God that 
you, you surrender your will and heart to Christ. That's the first part. But the second part of the invitation is about church life. I don't have to say much. Folks, this is where Jesus is. He's the head, we're the body. And it's, it's high time that I and you and we got serious about being the church, not just attending the church. We are the church. Now, I don't know what that means for you and what decisions might need to come today, but if you're here and you need to make a public decision, I'm going to be down front. If you need to come to the altar, the altar's here. If God speaks to you, I pray that you'll move. Let's stand together. Father, move in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're singing without Him. If you need to come, I'll be right here. Think about what you're singing. It's true. It's really true. God's people said now Moses and Karen if y'all don't mind can y'all make y'all your way to the foyer for us okay and folks before you leave and did I not meet my word is it not straight up 1130 ish 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 I blame the clock if it's over but but I want you to take a minute I'm going to close us in prayer and I just want you to go out there and just greet them, welcome them to Redland. What a blessing it is. And uh, it is such a blessing. Not, I, I love doing music. You know, we have fun. Oh my goodness, but Moses is my Savior. What a blessing it is. But I want you to give them the right hand of fellowship and welcome he and Karen to our church family. I didn't mention this earlier, but Wednesday night, we're not here. We're in the park, okay? And uh, so 5.30-ish in the park, Wednesday night. So join us in the park, uh, 5.30, bring us a sack lunch or supper if you want to, whatever you want to do. And we usually stay at about 7.30, unless it's 100 degrees, then we leave as soon as we can. God's good, amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love the truth of Your Word and song. Without Him... I I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Like a ship sinking, Lord. Father, we just pray that the truth of Your Word, the work of Your Spirit, and the reality that the church is the body of Christ locally, I pray that we'll be serious about our role 
in the body. We love you and thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.